In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. In our life, the life of repentance, many times we struggle with certain sins. How to overcome them? And there are two types of sins. Usually, it is very difficult or challenging for us to overcome them. The habitual sins, bad habits, and also the beloved sins. There are some sins are dear to us and we they bring pleasure to our life and that's why we love these sins. In Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 17 Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. So this verse is about uh, how many times sin actually are sweet and pleasant to us. Stolen water, it is sinful to steal water but stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret why it's eaten in secret because it is taken uh, illegally but the bread eaten secret is pleasant also uh, there is enjoyment in some sin some sins we enjoy them in hebrews chapter 11 and verse 25 when saint paul spoke about moses he said that by faith moses when he became of age refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. To enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So yes, there is enjoyment in sin. And because of this enjoyment, people are attached to some sins. Also in Second Peter chapter two and verse thirteen, St. Peter said, and they will receive the wages of unrighteousness, as those who counted pleasure to carouse in the daytime. So those actually who drink and uh, get involved with 
ungodly activities, they consider it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. And many other verses speaks about how sin sometimes is sweet, pleasant, enjoyable. But this is actually the first part about sin. But there is another uh, aspect of sin. All this pleasure, enjoyment, as St. Paul described them, they are passing temporarily. He said, rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. So they are not permanent. It is temporary. But eventually, sin will produce at least seven destructive consequences. And if we add to these seven destructive consequences, the wages of uh, sin is death, then at the end, after these seven destructive consequences, the person will suffer from eternal death. Usually Satan try, when he tempts us, try to bring to us the sweetness, the enjoyment, the pleasure of sin, and hide from us the destructive consequences of sin. What are these seven? Number one, guilt, guilt, and the feeling of guilt is huge and can be destructive. So before I fall in sin, Satan tried to tempt me with the pleasure, the enjoyment. After I fall in sin, Satan actually tried to magnify the guilt in my heart. He did this with uh, Cain. After Cain killed his brother Abel, he said in Genesis 4.13, my guilt is greater than to be endured. Then be azam min an yuhtamal. So this guilt that Cain felt in his heart was huge, magnified. To the extent he said, I cannot endure this amount of guilt. Also, sin produces defilement. Defilement. You can see a person like Lut, he was a righteous man, but he made a wrong choice to live in Sodom and Gomorrah among ungodly and among unrighteous people. And St. Peter said about Lot, 
that he was torturing himself day and night by hearing and seeing. But not only that, after God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, do you know what happened to Lot? His two daughters lied with him. And this considered abomination, defilement. He got drunk and his two daughters lied with him. Why? Because he lived among ungodly. He allowed sin to defile the mind of his daughters. He allowed himself to drink and to get drunk. So he himself was defiled by this abomination. So sin produces guilt, sin produces defilement. Also, sin number three produces heavy burden, heavy burden. In Psalm 38 and verse 4, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. After we commit any sin, we feel like we are burdened by the sin. We feel that our hearts are heavy. And we will continue to suffer from this heaviness till actually we repent and we confess our sins and we take communion. Then actually with the feeling and with the assurance that my sins are forgiven, we feel literally that this burden was taken off our shoulder. I heard it from many people and I myself experienced after repentance, confession and communion, we feel as if heavy burden were taken off our shoulder. I am sure St. Peter, after he denied the Lord Jesus Christ, he was burdened by this sin. Maybe tell the Lord restored him and told him, tend my sheep again. This burden was taken off his shoulder. Also, number four, sin produces more evil. Sin produces sin. Like in the story of Herod, it started by lusting after his brother's wife. 
and he want to take his brother's wife to be his wife. Then this led to another sin which is killing St. John the Baptist. So we can see one sin leads to another sin. It's very common in our life when we do something wrong, we lie about it. So one sin produces another sin. It doesn't stop at one sin. Number five, sin produce also bitterness. Bitterness. In Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 19, your own wickedness will correct you and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. It is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. So when we forsake the Lord our God, it is not only evil, but it brings bitterness into our heart. In many stories in the Bible, we can see this bitterness in the heart of, of, the, of the person. Uh, Judas, after he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, he felt bitterness. And that's why he wanted to correct what he did. And he took the money and give it back to the high priests. Uh, in the dialogue between our Lord Jesus Christ and the Samaritan woman, you can see in the beginning of the dialogue how she was very defensive and she was edgy. The Lord asked her, give me drink. That's all what he asked her. Give me some water to drink. But because of her bitterness, she said, how can you ask me, you are Jewish and a Samaritan? Jews don't talk to Samaritans. You can, you can hear here her defensiveness, how she is edgy, how she is almost angry because of the bitterness. Also, the number six, Sin produces shame. Uh, if you think about the Samaritan woman, why she went at noon time to fill uh, water. Usually people go either early in the morning or at evening. Nobody goes at noon time while 
It is very hot. But she chose that time because she was ashamed, embarrassed. She doesn't want to confront anybody. So she went at noon time because she knows nobody goes to the well at this time. Also, in the story of uh, Amnon, the son of David, with his sister Thamar, after he sinned with her, we can see how Thamar put ashes on her head, a symbol of the shame. In Proverb chapter 6, verse 32 and 33. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get. And his reproach, his shame, will not be wiped away. Wounds and dishonor he will get. And his reproach, his shame, will not be wiped away. And finally, the sin produces fear and revenge. Adam was fearful after he ate from the forbidden tree. And he said to the Lord, I heard your voice and I hid myself. Why? Because he was afraid from God. When we do something wrong, we have this fear in our heart. And besides the fear, maybe we want to revenge. Like in the story of Amnon, how his brother Absalom wanted actually to revenge from his brother. And definitely, Absalom killed Amnon later on. So what I'm trying to say, from one side, yes, sin can be sweet, pleasurable, enjoyable. But this is very temporary. But the other side, in order to have a complete image and perception, sin produces guilt, produces defilement, produces heavy burden, produces more evil, produces bitterness, produces shame, and also produces fear and revenge. Uh, and after these seven consequences, as we said, 
the wages of sin is death. Death actually can be physical death beside eternal death. Uh, many diseases uh, and, and death can be a physical consequence of sin, like sexual transmitted diseases can be actually a result of sexual immorality, and this leads to death. Many, many youth, unfortunately, who are doing drugs, they die from overdose. Uh, so physical death beside also eternal death. Some people, they consider their sins are minor, not major. And we hear many times in confession, people focus on the major sins, and after this, they say something, beside these minor sins that everybody uh, does it, like lying, cursing, so they consider these things are just normal to, to, to have it in your life, to lie, to curse, to... And it is very, very uh, bad situation when you perceive sin as something normal. It is normal to do it because everybody does it, so it's normal. This means you get desensitized. You get desensitized to sin. And many people actually will destroy themselves because of minor sins rather than from major sins. Like the sins of the tongue. Uh, maybe you are careful about major sins like murder, adultery, stealing. But who among us uh, control his tongue? And if you read James uh, chapter 3, how St. James spoke about the sins of the tongue, and how he said, tongue is fire, world of iniquity. So we need to pay attention that there is nothing called minor sin and major sin. Sin is sin, regardless minor or major. And the wages of sin is death. St. James said, he who break one sin, he is guilty of all. So how to overcome the beloved sin and also the habitual sin. And some sins are both beloved and habitual. For example, sexual sins 
can make addiction so it become habitual sins. Besides, because they bring pleasure, they, they, they are enjoyable. So some of us, we love these sins and we are not willing to give them up. Some sins are habitual only. Like uh, smoking, uh, many people want to quit smoking, so they hate it, but they cannot. And some sins are uh, beloved only, just we love this sin. It did, it did not become habit, but we love it because it brings pleasure or enjoyment to our life. Number one, how to overcome the beloved and the habitual sins. Number one, it is the grace of God. If you are trying to overcome any sin, relying on your will, relying on how you train yourself more, how you strengthen your will, you will fail again. But when you trust the grace of God and you enter into the realm of the grace of God, only through the grace of God you will be able to overcome such sins. That's why Isaac of Syria said, if you believe there is another way to repent, other than prayers, you are deceived. Because how can I get access to the grace of God? The grace of God is available for everybody. But in order actually to get access to it, it is through prayer. It is through your spiritual canon. Why? We emphasize the importance of spiritual canon to pray, to study the scripture, to fast, to do your prostration, to read spiritual books, to attend liturgical services. Why? That's what we call a spiritual canon. Because the spiritual canon will make you enter into the realm of the grace of God. Then, when you fight any sin, you are not fighting the sin by your own power, but by the grace of God. So, number one is keep your spiritual canon and do it in a consistent way, focusing on the quality. Spiritual canon is like the nourishment to your spirit. For your physical body, in order to have strong immunity, and strong immunity means you can fight any physical illness, you need actually to have good nutrition. And good nutrition means to be consistent 
and eating healthy food. The same rule applies for your spiritual life. In order to have a strong spiritual immunity, you need to be consistent with your spiritual canon, focusing on the quality, how you pray, how you read, how you fast. And this has to be done consistent. Number two, escape and run away. Don't flirt with sin. We need to run away to learn the art of running away from any temptation. In Proverbs 7, 26, the Bible tells us, For she, sin, has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Don't say I'm strong. Don't say I can watch this stuff on the internet and I will not be affected. No. She has cast down many wounded and all who were slain by her were strong men. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ gave us a rule called uh, radical amputation. What's radical amputation? He told us, if your eye causes you to sin, block it out. He did not say close it. He said block it out. That's radical amputation. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. That's radical amputation. In dealing with sins, we need to remember this rule. Of course, I'm not speaking about literally you block your eyes or you cut off your hand. But the concept here is very important. If having actually internet on your phone causes you to sin, causes you to go and to bad stuff, remove it completely. That's what we mean by radical amputation. Maybe you're going to tell me, uh, but I need it for work, for study, to communicate. Then actually, maybe you can go to a public library to do these things even if it is inconvenient. That's fine to be inconvenient, but to protect yourself. The two words that the angel said to Lot, escape for your life. Run away for your life. I remember uh, one time, we were uh, singing 
the, the song written by Bob Shenouda, who was a Saub Khuzi, which expressed uh, the thoughts of Joseph toward his master's wife. One of the leaders of the service made a comment and he said, if Joseph actually stood and chanted this song to his master's wife, maybe he couldn't escape the temptation. Joseph ran away and he escaped. Even when she hold him by his coat, he left the coat. And he preferred to be in prison rather than to stay around temptation. If he stayed around temptation, maybe uh, he would uh, have fallen. But Joseph was very clear. How can I commit such a great wickedness and sin against God? So number one, grace of God. Number two, run away. Number three, uh, when you are satisfied with your relationship with God, then you will be able to trample over the honey of sin. As we read, satisfied soul trample over honey. But for a hungry soul, everything that's bitter is sweet. If you are hungry, then if anybody give you anything, you will eat it just because you are hungry. But if you are full, you will not eat anything. Many times we try to fight against sin, but in the same time, we are not satisfied through our relationship with God. So, keeping your spiritual canon not only will help you to uh, enter into the realm of the grace of God, but also it will make you satisfied with the love of God. Then it will be easy for you to trample over any temptation. And we can actually read this in the Confession of St. Augustine. When he was away from God, every sin was pleasurable to him. But when actually he was satisfied by his relationship to God, he was able to overcome all these sins. Uh, Number four, don't fall in despair. Satan actually will try to convince you that it is impossible to quit this bad habit. You have been 
falling in this bad habit for 10 years, 5 years, 7 years, more, less. And many times I say to the youth, I'm not worried about you from this sin, but I'm worried more from the despair. As long as you have hope and confidence in God that you will overcome the sin, then you will continue fighting. But once you fall into despair, you will start to give in. And that's what Satan wants you to do. Satan, in his technique, he used three steps. First step is deception. Second step is temptation. Third step is accusation. That's why he is called the deceiver, the tempter, and the accuser. Deceiver, that's the first step, when he lies to you and convince you that sin is pleasurable. And there is no death in sin. You shall surely not die, as he said to Adam and Eve. Then after he plays with your mind and make you believe that nothing wrong to commit such sin, then he will tempt you. Tempt you means he will make the sin enjoyable to your eye and available, accessible. If you ask any youth who are addicted to drugs about the first time they used the drug, you will find most of the cases, they got it for free. That's temptation. He will make the sin available in front of you. Then, after you fall into sin, he used the third technique, which is accusation. Accusation, he will tell you, forget it. You are condemned. There is no hope in you. And he will accuse you before God. And will make you believe that God doesn't like you. God doesn't listen to your prayer. God will not accept your prayers. He will not accept your repentance. Even he used this technique after you repent and you take communion and you confess. He will try to tell you, no, your repentance is not genuine. God did not accept why he is using this to make you fall into despair. And when you fall into despair, then you will give in to sinful life. Number five, keep fighting. As St. Paul said, you did not resist against sin till bloodshed. So keep fighting the good fight. And I want to tell you, in heaven there are two types of crowns. There is crown for fighting and crown for victory. We are required to be faithful in our fighting. 
But victory, God will grant it to us in his own time and according to what is beneficial to us. So, all of us, when we depart from this world, we will still fighting against certain sins. Nobody will reach a level in which he says, I thank God now I am sinless. I overcome all sins in my life. So, the fact will continue struggling against some sins till the last breath means we will not overcome all sins. But as long as I am living the life of repentance, every time I fall, I rise up again, I am accepted before God. And I will receive the crown of fight. I have fought the good fight. To repent from any sin is easier than to repent from the sin of pride and self-righteousness. That's why the religious leaders of Israel could not benefit from the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ because of their pride and their self-righteousness. The tax collector and the adulteress benefit from the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, like the gospel of this morning about the sinful woman. But Simon the Pharisee, who is self-righteous, he did not benefit. Many times, God does not grant us the victory in order to keep us humble lest we fall in the sin of pride and self-righteousness. We are eager to overcome. We are eager to be victorious. But God in his love keeps us struggling in order to keep our humbleness. Because if we felt that we overcome these major sins in our life, maybe we will fall into pride and self-righteousness, and then our repentance will be more difficult. Uh, number uh, six, you need actually to replace bad habits with good habits. Uh, habits, you cannot just quit them, but habits should be replaced. So, see what are the bad habits that you want to quit and try to replace them. For example, if you want actually to replace 
smoking. Beside making a decision that you are going to quit smoking, maybe you need to start a new habit, like doing some exercise in the morning instead of waking up and uh, looking for the cigarette to smoke. No, wake up and go take a walk, do some exercise. So when you replace a bad habit with a new habit, this can actually help you to overcome these sins. Goes with replacing the habits is changing uh, the scenario. What do I mean changing the scenario? Uh, sometimes if we do the same steps, we will get the same result. You woke up in the morning, then you drink your coffee, smoke cigarette with it. So the same steps will lead to the same scenario and same rhythm. But you need actually to change this. Uh, try to change the place, the situation, circumstances, in order to get a different result. Changing the scenario helps in distracting the temptation. Our mind make association, for example, if you drink a coffee with cigarette together, so your mind actually will make association between drinking coffee and smoking. So every time you want to drink coffee, you will have the desire to smoke. So maybe change the scenario. Uh, postpone or delay your drinking of coffee or try to replace it with another drink or uh, don't drink it alone, drink it with somebody uh, who actually hold you accountable not to, to, to smoke cigarette. So try to be creative how to change the same steps that you are doing every day in order to get different results. Number seven, you need to have a strong support system. Uh, To overcome any habitual sin, you cannot do it alone, but also through support. That's why they discovered that the best or the most effective way to overcome addiction is support groups 
and group therapy, like Alcohol Anonymous, Narcotic Anonymous. This support actually will grant you two things. Number one, taking responsibility, and number two, accountability. So when actually in front of the group you say, I am addict, I am alcoholic, that's taking responsibility, then they will hold you accountable how many days you kept yourself sober. But before Alcohol Anonymous and all these support group, we have actually two wonderful support group, the church and our family. And the church also through the sacrament of confession. Because in this sacrament, when I confess, this means I am taking responsibility. And Abuna, as my father, he will hold me accountable. Don't be embarrassed to go and be honest in your confession. Actually, confession, uh, besides it gives you absolution uh, from the sin, beside this, it's a part of your support system. Because you take responsibility and also there is accountability here. There is also another invisible support system. The visible support system is the church and your family and your relatives and your godly friends. But the invisible support system is the intercession of the saints. That's why St. Paul said in Hebrew chapter 12, since we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, we can fight. We have this great cloud of witnesses. So you can ask the saints to pray on your behalf for these sins in order to be able to overcome such sins. Number eight, forgive yourself. Many times God forgives us, but we don't forgive ourselves. And we don't forgive ourselves mainly because of I cannot imagine that I fell in such a sin. And because I cannot imagine it's about me that I committed such a sin, that's why I cannot forgive myself. Many people say, I know that God forgive me, but I cannot forgive myself. I cannot forgive myself. I, I, I don't imagine being a Sunday school servant or a deacon or, or uh, that I, I, I feel in such sin. Not being able to forgive yourself 
This is because of arrogance and pride. Be humble, acknowledge your limitation, acknowledge your weaknesses, and acknowledge that you need forgiveness, and start to forgive yourself. So, these are some points will help you to overcome such sins by asking the grace of God, running away, being filled with the love of Christ, uh, having confidence and hope that through Christ you will overcome, by resisting till bloodshed against sin, by uh, replacing bad habits with good habits, also having support system which will provide you with guidance and also accountability and taking responsibility, uh, and by forgiving yourself. If you keep these eight points and uh, you make a decision now to fight the good fight, then through the grace of God you will be able to overcome these beloved sins and habitual sins. And remember, as His Holiness Pope Shenouda used to say, that the true repentance is not quitting the sin, but the true repentance is hating the sin. True repentance is not just quitting, because if I quit the sin, but I still have the love in my heart toward this sin, maybe I will relapse in the future. But if I reach the level of hating the sin, then I will not uh, relapse through the grace of God. May God help all of us to overcome these sins in our life and to walk in victory and triumph with our Lord. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.